Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. What's going on, all you podcast listeners? Thank you so much for being here, and welcome to episode 17 of season four. Hello. This is a good one today. These are your hosts, Lisa and Iris from Wheelie. What's going on at Wheelie these days, Lisa? Oh my gosh. We are shooting three commercials this week. Two of them are going into the Super Bowl. We are getting ready to go to Outdoor Retailer next week, and there's another work trip to McCall, Idaho the following week after that, and meanwhile, the creative team is just crushing it on like 20 projects at once right now, so I fe- this is our busiest season, and things are ripping, and it's super exciting. How are you holding up? Um, it's going. We're holding up great. I think this is a great month for us to focus on the word joy, because sometimes we get a little lost. And all the busyness. Zing! And I like to celebrate. We always, uh, we're moving and we're moving and we're moving. We're fast and efficient little team, but we, uh, it's important to take the time to celebrate and acknowledge all the hard work everybody's been doing and the massive amount of details that go into complex video shoots and photo shoots. And Well, speaking of joy, not only is it the month of joy, it's also Pride in June. And fittingly, we have Perry Cohen on the show today the executive director and founder of the Venture Out Project. And Perry's awesome. Perry's incredible. And today he talks about finding joy in the outdoors, his personal journey as well as professional journey and what it meant for him to be his authentic self and how the outdoors supported him in that experience. Mm -hmm. How he builds a safe space through the Venture Out Project um, because he saw a need in the outdoor industry that wasn't being fulfilled, so he fulfilled it himself. A lot of really important topics come up in this podcast, so this is a wonderful one to kick back with your headphones and listen in and learn. Let's take it to Perry. Let's take it to Perry. Hey, Perry, thank you so much for being here on Outside by Design today. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And the very, very first question we ask everyone is to describe where you are in the country and what you're looking at. I am in Northampton, Massachusetts, which is Western Mass. Um, And I'm looking out the window at Mount Tom, which is kind of one of the iconic uh, mountains here in in Western Massachusetts. And uh, it's Abenaki land out here. That sounds like a pretty good view. Yeah, it is. So tell our audience, like, um, and they, again, are all outdoor creatives and marketing managers, photographers, just give, give everybody a synopsis of who you are and what you do and why. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Perry Cohen. I am a transgender man, um, and I started the Venture Out Project five years ago, uh, which is hard to believe that we're in our fifth season. Um, but basically I grew up in New Hampshire being a super outdoorsy person and felt like the woods and the trails, um, were always a place where I didn't have to think about my gender, um, because, you know, there were no, no gendered bathrooms. So, um, we joke, we called them the, the facilities. Hopefully some folks have heard that term. Um, but the facilities aren't marked male or female. 
Um, and so it was kind of this um, level ground for everybody. And, you know, everybody kind of looks the same in a puffy jacket. And uh, it was a really powerful space to me to be able to be my authentic self and not feel judged or gendered. And it was kind of the place that helped me come out to myself and figure out who I was. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if um, other queer and trans folks and LGBT folks had the opportunity to be outdoors and to experience this? And I, I came to that because I'd noticed that there were very few out people um, in the outdoors. So I believe that we were always there, um, but I we weren't visible. And I think there's something really important about being visible that makes other people from that particular identity group feel safer. So I wanted to create a group where queer and trans folks could go outdoors, learn skills, do it in a group of community, um, and be as visibly or vocally their authentic selves as, as they wanted to be, whether that was super um, kind of visibly queer or not visibly queer at all, but everybody could, could find their place in there. Um, so we lead backpacking, skiing, snowshoeing, paddling, mountain biking trips all across the U.S. for folks of all ages. We have a family camp out for kids as young as three. Um, we have youth trips and then we have adult trips. Wow, that's amazing. And how did you start this company? Did you um, study business in college or were you an accidental entrepreneur? What did that path look like for you? Yeah, accidental entrepreneur for sure. Um, I was a, I was a photography major in college, um, and I took I took a couple business classes, but I took them all pass fail because I was terrified that uh, I, I wouldn't be able to pass them. But I passed them. Um, but I had I'd been a teacher, um, and I'd actually um, worked in my family's business, kind of a long circuitous route to get there. But I actually wound up having a business background, and when I came out as trans and transitioned, I left that job. Um, and at the same time, that's when I kind of had this really big aha moment. I was actually hiking uh, one of our local mountains here, Mount Monadnock. Um, and it was, um, so I had, I had reconstructive chest surgery. So I had my, I had what we call top surgery um, to, to make a more masculinized chest. And when I did that. I was still, even though I had, had had this done and I should be able to take my shirt off in public, I'd had 38 years of being socialized female where I couldn't take my shirt off in public. Um, but at the top of Mount Monadnock, one day I was up there all alone and I was like, you know, man, this is the place. Um, so I whipped my shirt off and I felt, you know, the sun on my chest, the breeze on my skin. And it was this incredibly powerful moment where I was like, I, th nothing has felt as good as this in my whole life. And I want other people to have this. So I went down the mountain and was like, I'm going to go work for some queer outdoor organization because they must exist. I, ca I can't possibly be the first person who's had this idea. Right. Um, so I get down, quit my job, um, start my, you know, going online, doing my search and nothing comes up. Um, and at this point, I panicked because I had a partner, two children, and a mortgage. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I just quit my job. And I <laughs> thought I was going to find another one like this. And it didn't exist. 
So, you know, I got despondent for like 24 hours and I did what one does. Um, I went hiking and I had this moment of like, wait a minute, I've, I've run portions of a business. I've been an educator. I have a tremendous background in the outdoors. I, I could start this thing that I've been looking for uh, because I'm sure other people are looking for it too. And so that's what I did. I just kind of on a wing and a prayer was like, I'm going to start this. I'm going to figure it out as I go along. And I believe that other people are going to want to get involved in this too. And unfortunately, um, that was true. And, and we've just kind of every year picked up more and more people. And we went from me being our only full-time staff to now we have five full-time staff. Nice. Yeah. Yep. And we went from running trips in two states to now I think we've been in over 20. 20 states. Yeah. So, so you guys are spread out everywhere. Yeah, we have headquarters in Western Mass here and then one in Portland, Oregon. And then we have instructors um, across the U.S. who lead trips in kind of their, their backyard, so Colorado, uh, the Southeast. And this year, we're having our first ever volunteer training, which is super cool. So we're bringing 30 volunteers in uh, to train them. They're getting their wilderness first aid and then two days of kind of how we, how we lead hikes, how we do things. Most of these folks have, well, all of them actually have backgrounds in the outdoors and education. Um, and then they'll go back to their home markets and their home LGBTQ communities and lead hikes there. Um, so we're really excited that this is going to be a going to be a really exciting and organic way to grow our network um, and help people who maybe can't travel to the to the northwest or the northeast um, find community and find hiking events close to home. That ripple effect sounds awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um, so on the podcast for the entire month of June, we always have, well, we have a word of the month. And so everyone on the podcast in the month of June is talking about the word joy. And so I'm curious what the word joy means to you and if it's more personal or more business related and kind of what comes up for you. Um, I would say it's twofold. One is it's certainly personal. Um, and it is a feeling I get, um, when I'm outside, um, it's kind of like I can be having whatever kind of day I'm having, good or bad, but the moment, well, not the moment, sometimes it takes a little while, but I get outside and almost always I find some something to be joyful about, whether it's moving my body or a beautiful day or um, seeing water or seeing nature or animals or something. But it kind of, um, I think it's joyful because it renews um it renews my love of life. It's like nature is so alive and it's, I think it's joyful to, to be a part of that and to see that. Um, and it, it's, it's incredibly hopeful too. I think <laughs> things always come back, especially here in new England where we, you know, just coming back from a long gray, dark winter. Um, and it's really cool to see buds on trees and new leaves and new life. Uh, yesterday, actually a bear cub walked through my backyard, um, which was, which was mildly terrifying and also <laughs> so cool to see. I, I never saw the mama, so um, we kind of kept our dogs inside for a couple of days. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but and then joy to me also from a from a professional perspective is definitely getting to watch our participants um, come on our trips and make connections with other people. And I think when I first started venture out, I thought the joy for them was going to come from 
an outdoor adventure, you know, summoning a peak or, you know, sleeping outside for the first night. And it certainly does. But the unexpected joy that I see in people is when they meet the first other trans or queer or gay or lesbian or bisexual person that they've ever met in their life. Um, and all of a sudden it gives them it gives them a connection, it gives them hope, it gives them a vision of a possibility that maybe they never thought they uh, they could have before. Um, and so that just brings joy to my heart to watch someone um, make a connection and find a community um, that, that for most of us we've been longing for for so long. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the ultimate joy. Yeah, no kidding. Hey Lisa, you love dogs. I freaking love dogs. Um, but one thing about being a dog owner is it's hard to choose your dog's food because sometimes you don't really know what's in it. Is your dog's food full of random ingredients that you don't even know what they are and mystery meats? Or is it full with really high quality organic ingredients? That reminds me of a great creative agency I know that is made completely of locally sourced, fully organic, natural design. It's got organic strategy, video production, social media, all these really, really carefully curated natural services that go into one giant project for your brand. So if you want your brand to be healthy and full of energy, just like your dog that you love, you should hire Wheelie. It's way better than expensive dog food. All right. I love how Perry just instigated change and was like, there's not what I'm looking for out there. I'm going to start it. Yeah, the the spirit of entrepreneurship embodied, I think. Yeah. And Lisa, what did you think about Perry saying that the outside is where gender doesn't matter? That seems to come up a lot in our podcast conversations. You know, it, that's a really relevant, that's a really relevant topic these days and all days, I guess. Um, but viewing the out, outdoors and wilderness as the great neutralizer because an avalanche doesn't care and, you know, an avalanche doesn't care how much experience you have or how old you are or your gender or where you're from or how nice your gear is. Like an avalanche is going to do its thing and a river doesn't care. And, you know, I think, I think that's a good lesson. Um, I, I think that's a good thing to think about while you're spending your time outside is really what a great equalizer and neutralizer the wilderness can be. Yeah. And it shows exactly why it matters to care about diversity and inclusion in the outdoor industry because everyone's welcome outside. So everyone should be welcome in the industry. Agree. Let's get back to Perry. And on your website, there are a lot of testimonials kind of praising you for creating such a safe space. And I'm curious, how do you do that? Like, what what are some tips for creating a safe space? Yeah, I think, well, one, I think that's really, really important is that our instructors, um, as much as possible, we try to have instructors who share identities of our participants. Um, because I think um, we can be as educated and aware and supportive and affirming as possible, but it's really important for for folks to see other people like them kind of further along in whether it's their um, queer identity, whether it's their transition, whether it's their outdoor experience, kind of whatever it is. Um, 
or just life experience. And so I think that that is the number one thing we hear from our participants is I never would have gone on this trip except that I saw an instructor who looked like me or had a shared experience as I did. Um, and because of that, I knew that, that they would understand my fears, my anxieties, or my uh, perspective. And it made it feel that much safer for me to know um, that they'd know where I was coming from. So I think that's the, the most important thing we do. Um, and then the other thing I really coach all of our staff to, to be vulnerable and to share our experiences and let folks know that even though we may look like we're in a certain place now, we weren't always here and we, we have had our own path to get there. Um, and I think that vulnerability and opening up and sharing those connections really helps folks feel safe and, and seen. Yeah. And my question I had written down for you actually was, what do you think true vulnerability means? And is true joy actually connected to vulnerability? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny, I do a lot of workshops and we often talk about Brene Brown, um, who's kind of like the leading expert on vulnerability. And I see a definite age um, people kind of like 35 and over totally recognize her name and get all excited. Mm -hmm. And everybody else looks at me like, who are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that has actually been one of the biggest gifts to me of my transition. I would say before I transitioned, I was super closed down and afraid of people knowing me. And so vulnerability to me at that point was weakness because it was, it was letting people in. It was seeing kind of the cracks um, in my edifice. And um, when you come out as trans, it's like, well, there's, you know, <laughs> there's no secrets left anymore. I've told you about <laughs> my identity, my gender identity, in many cases, my body. Um, and so for me, it broke down this huge wall of like, um, okay, I'm going to share these things that are deeply personal. And it like almost overnight made my relationship so much better because I realized people actually wanted to know me. Um, and in letting them know me, they would let me know them. And all of a sudden that connection became so much deeper. And it was like, you know, we all have that friend who every time you talk to him, everything's fantastic and like nothing's hard and their relationships are always perfect and their job's great. And you're like, I just know that's not true. Um, and it's hard to get to know them when they never tell you anything that's wrong. And it's hard to feel like it's safe to tell them something that you're struggling with. And, and I didn't realize that I was kind of that, that person. And once I started letting people in, it was amazing how um, many more friends I had and how many more real friendships I had. And that for sure led me to be more, more joyful. That is so cool. And what what a thing to be able to kind of reflect on and see how you've evolved. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a lot of growth in the last five years, a lot more than the first 38, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. How, uh, how was it when you started uh, the Venture Out project? Were you able to get a lot of traction immediately or um, were people like Perry you're crazy or how like how did that go no nobody thought it was a ridiculous idea people were excited from the beginning um so the first trip it was interesting I, I started venture out and thought it would be for queer youth because 
you know, you start a nonprofit, you're automatically thinking, where am I going to get funds? And of course, it's like, oh, everyone wants to fund youth stuff. Mm -hmm. And I started to tell my friends about the idea. And all of them said, oh, man, I would love it if you would do this for adults, because I never got to have this kind of experience in my youth. Or I got to have it in my youth, but it was the wrong gender or you know, I was so closed down and I couldn't authentically be myself. Could, could you have this now? Um, and I thought, fabulous. I don't have to deal with parents for the first year. We will definitely pilot this on adults. Um, and so that first trip we ran filled up completely with, you know, we had no track record. Um, wow. And that was a long weekend. And then the second trip we ran we, uh, was a week-long trip. <laughs> And that one we had three, well, two instructors and an intern and two participants. So um, that one was not as, it was a great trip, but we, we didn't get the signups for that. And what I learned from that first year was that um, it takes a lot of trust for somebody to come out in the woods for multiple days and sleep in a tent next to strangers. And we needed to build that trust in a lower stakes fashion before we could ask people to do that. So that's when we started doing our local, we call them Thursday night hikes out here in Massachusetts. And they're free every Thursday, all through the summer and fall, um, just like a two hour kind of after work hike. And the idea being that we build community through that, you know, you can kind of do almost anything for two hours. And if you want to bail, it's, it's a lot easier to bail from there than it is in the middle of the backcountry. Um, and it worked. So we started to build community and then, you know, friends would say to each other, okay, hey, do you want to sign up for this backpacking trip together? Um, and since then, we've expanded those day hikes. And that has been a really great um, kind of point of entry for people who want to stick their, their foot in the water, but aren't sure that they're ready to commit to three nights in the backcountry. Um, so it's been, it started slow, but I think um, it's, it's grown pretty quickly and pretty consistently. And the first summer we had about 50 participants across all day hikes and, and multi-day trips. And last summer, we had over 600 people. Um, Whoa. Yeah. So in five years, that's a pretty big, pretty big jump. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And how are you? Are you marketing that or is it just word of mouth? You know, um, we do our best to market. We I got in this to be outdoors. Um, and I'm finding that um, we, we lack some marketing skills. You know, we're, we're doing our best, but we're making it up as we go along. Um, but what has been really effective is that particularly the trans community and the, and the kind of queer trans community is pretty tight. And so word of mouth has been incredibly effective. Um, and we have some friends who are influencers within that community. And when they share stuff, um, you know, I think there's a level of credibility that, oh, you know, for example, Malcolm said that these guys are, are really solid. I'm going to, I trust Malcolm. And so therefore I will, I will sign up for this trip. Um, but kind of one of our, one of our goals for 2019, 2020 is to figure out how to be more effective in our marketing um, and reach broader markets because we want to serve more than just um, kind of our friends or friends of friends. Um, sure. That's cool. I was going to compliment you that the brand messaging on your website is like crystal clear. And oh, I was wondering, yeah, I was like, did you write that? That was very, very clear messaging. 
Oh, thank you. Um, well, I, I had this corporate background and I was involved um, in for several companies in setting up kind of vision, mission, values. So I had that background and, and we started with that um, and I knew what I wanted to do. But then um, we've really kind of worked with our community to, to crowdsource who we are. Um, mm-hmm. And that's part of why I called it Venture Out Project because I like the notion that project kind of connotes something that is is not fixed, but is evolving and ever changing. Um, and I've really tried to kind of walk that walk of saying like, I, I had the original idea, but this should be created by and for our community and not just me. So there've been a lot of really awesome people who have helped us um, kind of clarify and crystallize that messaging. And you do have some really good partnerships. It looks like REI is one of your main partners. Yeah, we've, cool. we've been really lucky. Um, I Initially, lots of folks said, you know, you should be reaching out to corporate partners. And I thought, well, we have no track record. And <laughs> if I were a corporate partner, I'd be like, cool idea, come back to me in a couple of years. So I thought rather than beat down doors in the beginning, let, let's build that track record. Um, and then, and I thought, you know, let's put our heads down. And if we do good work, people will notice. Um, and what <laughs> what's amazing is they actually did. So REI came to us, Osprey came to us, Granite Gear came to us, um, Eddie Bauer came to us, and we've gotten um, we've gotten to know folks there and to build these partnerships around, um, you know, not just them sponsoring us and um, having us tag them, but also getting to work with them on on how they want to change their organization, which is the part that's really exciting to me. Is you know, if we put our name next to somebody. I want to be able to say I believe in that company and and all four of those companies have um been really putting a lot of a lot of effort into diversity across many many fronts not just LGBTQ folks but um lots of different identity groups. And what's your advice for like how brands like marketing managers or especially photographers can be more inclusive? Yeah, I mean, I think one is to be reaching out to lots of different folks. There's a really cool website called Diversify Outdoors, which is sort of a clearinghouse of identity-based groups in the outdoors. Um, And so I know we've been contacted through that, um, but I think it's a great place to start and to, um, you know, try to find models of all shapes, sizes, colors, um, people who are doing lots of consulting and education work, because I think... It's one thing to say, oh, look, our models look like this. But then, um, so for us particularly, um, okay, so you've got, you've got visibly queer and trans people maybe in your images. But if you're still saying these are clothes for men and these are clothes for women, um, it, it kind of, it's like, well, are they, are they really walking the walk here? Because they're, they're, they're trying to use us in these, in these photo shoots, but then, everything else says, no, we're still very much thinking of this as a binary, um, binary split. Um, and so I think making sure that it's, it's not, um, just kind of token and not just superficial, but you're actually working towards, um, making change within the organization. So for photographers, I think it's reaching out to people of diverse backgrounds and then compensating them. Um, this is a big conversation within our community is, um, you know, are, are we 
are these diverse folks fairly compensated? Are they compensated the way that, um, you know, people have historically been compensated for this kind of work? Or is there talk of saying like, oh, well, this will be great exposure and you should just be thankful um, and appreciative and, you know, know that this is an investment in future things for you. Because um, most of the folks in these, or not most, but lots of folks in the diverse groups are um, trying to make their living like this and, and uh, it's not easy. Yeah, they deserve to be compensated. Yeah. Say, Lisa. What's that, Iris? There are some bad websites on the internet. Seriously, there are a lot of websites that look like they were around when the internet first started. Which is from before I was born. <laughs> I, was, I was alive, but Iris wasn't. I was not. So, if your website was or just appears to be built from before I was born, you probably need a new one. There are lots of companies out there where you can build a simple website on the internet by dragging and dropping pre-made items into a website template. Yeah, or if you're a busy business owner and CEO and you have a billion different things on your plate and you don't want to have to build your own site from scratch, you can hire a pretty great creative agency to do it for you. In fact, I heard it's where people who thrive outside go when they need new websites and creative services. It's a place called Wheelie, wheeliecreative.com. Like a bike doing a wheelie. And that's where you can get all the services your business needs in the branding and creative industry. So websites, graphic design, video, strategy, social media, all the things, <laughs> all the good things. And it's so much fun. They're the smartest people I know. Wheeliecreative.com. So your website looks younger than Iris. So Lisa, I love what... Perry says about photography and photo shoot models because you can be adding diversity into your photo shoots, but if your organization isn't actually taking the steps to make change, you're really just tokenizing people. Absolutely. Like I, I loved hearing Perry talk about how to truly connect with some of the campers. It helps to have people who identify in the same way as the campers because Again, it's like we don't we don't ever strive to be tokenizing by having, you know, a diverse photo shoot and then not integrating that into our business. And it, it is really important to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. But I mean, I think it's really important. It's an important progression to have people talking mm -hmm. and listening and listening. Well, let's get back to listening. You've brought up something really, really fascinating um, around even how all websites, not all, but a lot of websites for apparel are segmented with men's apparel, women's apparel. And that's kind of like the shopping funnel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this comes up not just for trans people, right? This is like yeah. kind of the message I try to say is things that are good for trans people are good for everybody, right? Like, yeah. wouldn't we love it if it was like, oh, these are jackets with extra long sleeves, or these are jackets with shorter sleeves, or these are jackets for people whose hips are wider than their shoulders, which may be women, but it may be men, it may be non-binary people. And if there were other ways to look at things, I think it would just benefit everybody. Um, and I've got eight-year-old kids, right? They're, they happen to be two girls, but I can't believe that when I go to shop for outdoor gear for them, it's already super gendered. I'm like, what? Like, you know, they're, they're like 
they haven't hit puberty yet. So there's no diversity in curves or anything. There is diversity in height, in weight, in like, you know, that kind of thing. And maybe they want pink, but maybe they want blue. And um, it's, it's really frustrating to, like, I just don't quite get why that has to be sex segregated. I fully agree with you. <laughs> I like I remember as a little kid being so furious that I had to wear things with like pink squirrels so I always opted for like the blue flames right and why does that have to be a boy thing why can't it just be right. like we have a jacket with blue flames or a jacket with squirrels or yeah. whatever it is um yeah. yeah I have a friend who um they work for the Appalachian Mountain Club and they have a, a pro deal with certain companies and they're registered as a woman um but they're, they're super tall. And so they ordered a men's coat and they got questioned. They're like, is this really for you? Are you using your pro deal to buy something for someone else? And it's like, she shouldn't have to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. This is fascinating because we work with a lot of web design and uh, you're right. Like we should, should categorize things differently. Yeah. And I mean, it's not to say that you couldn't have certain filters that would indicate you know this is a a more women's or a curvy cut or a more straight cut or something like that because mm-hmm. it's okay if like of course pe- some people really want that and that's important to them and it's affirming of their identity and so we shouldn't take that away but to give other choices um, and to not have that be the primary kind of def- way that we define or segregate clothes or filter them. so cool i love this conversation Cool. I, I think our audience is going to be very interested in this as well because they do largely work in marketing and our audience it does a lot of photography. I think it's super important to mindfully select who you're putting behind the lens as well as in front of the lens. Absolutely. So, you know, we'll like recently we've, we've been getting lots of uh, good press and people will want to come out and either, you know, it's a journalist or a photographer or a filmmaker. Um, and it's important to us who is behind the lens because, you know, there are certain people who we might be authentic with and others who, you know, I don't know if I'm going to want to actually have a, like a really vulnerable conversation with this person. And so being able to, to have a variety of people and saying like, Oh, we could send, you know, we, we happen to have a trans director. Would you like us to send them um, along with these other two cisgender people or whatever? It's like, yeah, that would be awesome. Um, both for employing more people, more queer folks, but also for, um, yeah, making people feel safe. Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. And the other thing, I just, just on that note, um, we've been working with several retail stores um on how they actually lay out their store because that's another thing right so i walk in and i'm you know 510 not very curvy pretty androgynous looking um you i ask you for shoes and the all of a sudden the person on the floor is like ah i don't know which side of the store to send you to you know like i'm going to have to ask do you want the men's shoes or the women's shoes and wouldn't it be cool if it could just be like, what size are you and what functionality are you looking for and, or what colors are you interested in? Um, which is, which is what you're actually asking when you're saying, do you want a women's shoe or a men's shoe? You're actually saying like, what size, what functionality, what colors? Yeah. What sport? Right. Exactly. 
And another interesting thing, when people enter a retail space, they automatically look up and right. And so usually whatever the store is trying to push is located off to the right and kind of with a taller display. Well, fun fact I learned about. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) About how people enter a space and kind of like what they do with their body and uh, kind of start the shopping journey. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to check that out next time I go in a store. Yeah. Man, so what uh, what's next for you guys? What what trips do you have coming up and um, big, big events that you're excited about? Yeah, so we're about to kick off our summer season. Um, I We've got our big volunteer training coming up, which we're super excited about. Um, 30 folks in, I think, about 20 different states will be leading hikes all across the U.S. this summer. Um, and then we've got an experience trip on the long trail in Vermont, which was the original long distance trail. It's 270 miles and we're going to section hike this starting this year. We're starting at the Northern terminus. So the Canada Vermont border and hiking South. And our goal is that, you know, over four or five years, hopefully we'll have a core group of the same folks who will get to section hike this together. So that's in July. Uh, then we're running two. QT BIPOC trips this year. So queer, trans, black, indigenous, people of color trips. Um, And those I'm super excited about because we're partnering with two organizations, Wild Diversity out of Oregon and the Rusty Anvil out of Massachusetts. Um, And those are are organizations run by queer BIPOC folks. um, And they're actually going to be the instructors on the trips. um, And they don't quite have the national reach we do so it's been really cool to um kind of help each other out on this and and get to partner on something that our community really wants um and i as a white person couldn't couldn't lead this trip but to get to um employ and hire and and partner with folks who who are part of that community is is super exciting to us Um, and then for our first time ever we're doing an international trip we are going to the canadian arctic to go paddle uh, with beluga whales in August and, uh, yeah, walk on some glaciers and stuff. It's going to be so cool. Awesome. I, I love that you're partnering with other organizations and supporting and elevating each other. Do you want to talk about your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things that's been really cool to me about being part of the trans community is how, incredibly collaborative it is um like i said i I had a corporate background and i was a an athlete in college so i was so used to everything being competitive um and i found within our community people are really really excited to help each other out and and support each other and it's viewed much less as competition and much more as collaboration um and so though we are not a big organization we are um bigger than, than lots of queer organizations in the outdoors. And so we have resources um, that some other folks don't yet have. And it's been really cool to be able to, um, for example, be a, as a nonprofit, we can, we can be a fiscal sponsor of other smaller organizations who aren't yet incorporated. And so with that, we can offer them kind of legal protections and insurance and stuff like that until they get off the ground. Um, and that's been a really cool kind of gift to be able to give um, back to other folks um, and watch them kind of grow and thrive. And then 
you know, in return, we get um, exposure to a broader and more diverse community and get to work with folks who maybe we wouldn't have connected with before, or maybe we wouldn't have the, have had the skills or um, kind of the experience to get to, to be on a trip with them or lead a trip for them. So it's just been, it's been a really cool way to lift each other up and view each other as just basically, it's kind of like, how can we offer them the best and the most experiences for queer people in the outdoors? And my view of that is collaboration with other groups versus trying to be the biggest or the best or the most, most dominant. Um, and so I, I'm hopeful and optimistic that we're, we're doing a good job with that and, and that we are helping make more opportunities available uh, rather than less. Wow. That sounds incredible. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you about that you want to tell our audience about? Um, yeah, I think the only other thing that I'm, I'm, I wanted to talk about that I feel really proud of is um, that so Venture Out has two missions. One is to lead queer adventures in the outdoors for queer and trans folks. Um, and the other is to provide education for mainstream outdoor organizations that will help them better affirm and support their queer and trans uh, students and participants. And, and I like that we're kind of coming at this issue of safety for the LGBTQ community in the outdoors from, from kind of two different angles. One, they can come on our trips and feel safe and kind of just in community or two, hopefully they, they could go on many, many different kinds of trips um, that aren't specifically LGBTQ, but know that the staff uh, leading those trips is educated and, and knowledgeable in how to support and affirm them on those trips. And one of the ways we've done that is by um, building a staff of our former participants. So um, I feel really proud of the fact that we have folks leading backpacking trips who are completely qualified to do this, um, but who before they kind of started with Venture Out had no outdoor experience or no leadership experience. And through their time with us have developed um, kind of the skills and ability um, and gone through the training to be able to, instead of being on the receiving end of help, to be on the giving end of help. Um, and so I love that we've kind of created this full circle model um, where where folks can give back but can also develop marketable um, career skills and, and they can make some money while doing this um, and, and kind of build their resume. So I feel really excited and, and really proud of that. Um, and it's just, you, you asked me about joy earlier, and that is definitely one of the things that brings me joy is to um, watch someone grow in that, in that way. So cool. So where can people sign up? Where can they follow you? Where can they stalk you on the internet? Yeah, please stalk us. We love that. Um, we are on Instagram and Facebook under the Venture Out Project, and our website is ventureoutproject.com, and there you can find all of our trips, all of our day events. You can find information about our educational services. Uh, you can read our blogs, testimonials, um, watch some videos about us, and uh, check out all the, all the latest news. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Perry. Thanks for having me. This was great. Hey, Perry, thank you so much for being on the show and for truly creating a safe space in the outdoor industry and for just being a badass. Yeah, and you can follow the Venture Out Project 
in the links in our show notes and get involved with the incredible work that they're doing in the outdoor industry. And I've also put the Diversify Outdoors link in the show notes as well. So you can check their website out and be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you all next week. Outdoor Retailer. And remember, a thick layer of badass transcends all genders.